98K News. Good afternoon. It's one o'clock. I'm Todd Harding. The headlines. Chief Executive Carrie Lamb says she's hoping tonight's June 4th candlelight vigil will be incident-free. Meanwhile, one of the organisers of the vigil says he doesn't think the extradition controversy will boost the turnout at tonight's event. And Queen Elizabeth reminds Donald Trump of the sacrifices made by millions that led to the formation of the United Nations and NATO. The Chief Executive Carrie Lam says she hopes events tonight to commemorate the 30th anniversary of the Tiananmen Square massacre will be peaceful and orderly. She didn't answer questions over whether authorities should vindicate the pro-democracy movement, but said they fully respected the views of people taking part in tonight's candlelight vigil. Hong Kong is a very free society. We uphold and safeguard the rights and freedoms of individuals in Hong Kong. So uh, today, if there are um, uh, public um, sort of gatherings to uh, express their views and feelings on a particular historic incident, we fully respect those views. Organisers have said they hope more than 180,000 people will attend the vigil at 8pm in Victoria Park to remember the military crackdown on protesters in 1989. An organiser of tonight's candlelight vigil says he doesn't think the government's extradition amendment bill will boost turnout. Albert Ho, the chairman of the Hong Kong Alliance in support of patriotic democratic movements of China, says most people who oppose the bill will probably choose to join a protest against it on Sunday instead. The amendments would allow suspects to be sent to places that have no extradition agreement with Hong Kong, such as Macau, Taiwan and the mainland. Mr Ho says if the changes go ahead, fewer dissidents may want to attend future June 4th candlelight vigils here. In the past, those dissidents were able to come to Hong Kong and take part in the uh, commemorative activities. They were not afraid of being extradited back to China because there is no such arrangement. But in due course, if for whatever reason they were allowed to come to Hong Kong, then they may face the risk of being arrested and then subject to extradition. People in cities around the world are expected to take part in events today to remember the victims of the June 4th massacre in Beijing. But noted American sinologist Perry Link says the momentous events of 30 years ago may never be fully considered and reassessed on the mainland as long as the Communist Party remains in power. He was speaking in an interview with RTHK as Jimmy Choi reports. Mr. Link, who speaks fluent Mandarin, believes the Communist Party will never admit that the brutal suppression of the student-led democracy movement was a mistake, as that would jeopardize its legitimacy in China. He said even if there are senior officials in the party who think that they should vindicate the victims of June 4th, it would be very difficult for them to come forward. He said they would fear the party opponents might use that to bring them down. The prominent China expert was speaking in Berlin while he would attend events to remember the victims of the Beijing massacre. The Independent Chinese Pen Center and the Federation of a Democratic China will hold a demonstration outside Beijing's embassy to protest against the central government's order to open fire a student and other activists in the capital in 1989. Localist activist Ray Wong and Alan Lee, who were granted asylum in Germany after fleeing Hong Kong, will be speaking to the German parliament in Berlin tonight about the June 4th crackdown. The chief executive has rejected suggestions that Hong Kong would have no say over extradition requests from the central government. Carrie Lam says there is a robust process in place and the courts will act as a safeguard. 
There has been this reference and maybe a worry or fear or even allegation that、uh, the chief executive will just follow the instructions given by the central government and surrender whatever fugitives that the central government wants. This is totally unfounded and deviates from the provisions in the law. There are very detailed provisions in the law that would not allow that sort of situation to happen. Mrs. Lam also said the government was not going to give up on the extradition law bill just because some people have criticised it. She said the bill has gone through more than three months of intensive debate and will be beneficial to Hong Kong. Overseas, President Trump says as a sign of good faith, Mexico should immediately stop the illegal flow of drugs and migrants through its border with the United States. Mr. Trump wrote on Twitter that the Mexican government would be able to achieve that if it wanted to. Last week, he threatened to impose tariffs of up to 25% on all Mexican imports unless the authorities there reduced the number of migrants reaching the U.S. border. Earlier, the Mexican Foreign Minister Marcelo Ebrard warned the tariffs could cause economic and financial instability. Here's the BBC's Barbara Plett Usher. The message, in a nutshell, is essentially that the Mexicans have been taking steps to try to stem the flow of the migrants, but the resources are limited. And at root, this is a, a humanitarian and a social issue. So you really need a development plan to deal with the poverty and violence that is causing these people to flee the Central American countries. Tariffs aren't going to fix that. And if you do impose tariffs across the board, that could destabilize Mexico economically, which would make it even harder for Mexico to stop the flow of migrants. Meanwhile, at a state banquet in honor of President Trump, Queen Elizabeth has stressed the importance of international institutions forged in the aftermath of the Second World War. The Queen said Britain and the United States had worked together to build these organizations, such as the United Nations and NATO. After the shared sacrifices of the Second World War, Britain and the United States worked with other allies. To build an assembly of international institutions, to ensure that the horrors of conflict would never be repeated. While the world has changed, we are forever mindful of the original purpose of these structures: nations working together to safeguard a hard-won peace. Several disapproving politicians snubbed the banquet, and there were both supporters and protesters outside Buckingham Palace. I'm British and American, and I voted for President Trump, and I absolutely adore him. And I think he's doing the most amazing job for America and the world. In fact, he's misogynistic and racist, and I don't think that the UK should be welcoming him. A court in Sweden has rejected a request to detain the WikiLeaks co-founder Julian Assange in absentia for alleged rape, a charge which he denies. Swedish legal experts say the ruling makes his extradition to the United States more likely. Here's the BBC's Caroline Hawley. This is a setback for Swedish prosecutors and for the woman who, in the summer of 2010, accused Julian Assange of rape. The unnamed woman asked for the case to be reopened after the WikiLeaks founder was dragged out of the Ecuadorian embassy in London in April, and arrested for breaching bail in the UK. Mr. Assange's lawyers said he would be in Belmarsh jail for at least half a year for his bail offence, and could be questioned via video link. The Swedish court's decision against the prosecutors means they can't now issue a European arrest warrant for him, and there'll be no immediate extradition request from Sweden to compete with that of the US. Where Mr. Assange now faces a total of 18 charges related to the mass leak of government secrets. 
Sudan's military leaders say they're cancelling all existing agreements with the main opposition coalition and will hold elections within nine months. The televised statement by the leader of the Transitional Military Council, General Abdel Fattah al-Burhan, followed reports that the security forces had shot dead at least 30 unarmed protesters in Khartoum on Monday. Earlier, the UN Secretary-General, Antonio Guterres, condemned the violence. His spokesman is Stefan Djaric. The Secretary-General urges the Sudanese authorities to facilitate an independent investigation into the deaths and to hold those responsible accountable. The Secretary-General urges the parties to pursue peaceful dialogue and to stay the course in the negotiations over the transfer of power to a civilian-led transitional authority as required by the African Union. Scientists in the UK are developing a new blood test that could radically improve the diagnosis of heart failure. Cardiovascular diseases which can lead to heart failure are the number one cause of death globally. The new rapid blood test is more accurate than the current test and can detect it at an earlier stage. Dr Sanyu, ba Sanyu Babu Narayan is the Associate Medical Director at the British Heart Foundation. Well, this new test is to see if we can diagnose heart failure better. So currently, one of the ways that doctors diagnose heart failure is by measuring a protein in the blood called brain natriuretic peptide, or BNP. The researchers think that by adding some additional protein measurements in the same amount of blood on the same blood test, they can be more accurate in their diagnosis. But it's early days yet. Meanwhile, another group of British scientists say a heart patch containing millions of living, beating cells could soon be used to help repair the damage caused by heart attacks. Tests on animals have shown it to be safe. This report from the BBC's Michelle Roberts. During a heart attack, the heart muscle is starved of nutrients and oxygen and parts of it die. This weakens the organ's ability to pump blood around the body and can lead to heart failure. Scientists from Imperial College London believe they have a new treatment that could stop this happening. A small, lab-grown patch is put onto a patient's heart. It contains millions of living cells that support the injured organ and help new, healthy muscle to grow. Researchers told the British Cardiovascular Society's annual conference that trials on patients should start in the next two years. To business news, the tech giant Apple has announced its music download service iTunes is to be shut down. iTunes has lost subscribers in recent years as listeners increasingly turn to streaming services. Here's the BBC's Dave Lee. The entertainment world has moved on since Steve Jobs introduced iTunes almost 20 years ago. And so, as Apple fans have been predicting for some time, the software is being phased out. Apple will instead offer three separate apps for music, podcasts and its upcoming TV subscription service. The iTunes app will remain available on Windows for the time being and people will still be able to keep paying for music downloads. But it's the beginning of the end of an era iTunes and the iPod took Apple from being something of a niche computing firm and set it on course to reach its status as America's most valuable company. Locally, a short time ago, the Hang Seng Index was at 26,802. That's 90 points down on the previous close. Turnover stands at $42 billion. To currencies, the US dollar is trading at exactly 108 yen. The euro is standing at 1 US dollar and 12 cents. And the pound is worth 9 Hong Kong dollars and 92 cents. And now with the sports news, here's Adam Jung.
Let's start with ice hockey. The St. Louis Blues hit back at the Boston Bruins by taking Game 4 to level the best-of-seven Stanley Cup final. Ryan O'Reilly scored twice, including the go-ahead goal in the third period, as the Blues won 4-2 in a back-and-forth contest in St. Louis. After getting pulled in a lopsided defeat in Game 3, Blues goalie Jordan Bennington bounced back by making 21 saves. He's now won 7 of 9 playoff games after a loss. His efforts helped St. Louis tie the series at two games apiece. Boston will host Game 5 Friday morning Hong Kong time. On to cricket now, Pakistan pulled off a stunning 14-run victory over the tournament favourites England at the Cricket World Cup. Pakistan's victory comes after a disappointing defeat in their opener against West Indies. All-rounder Mohammad Hafiz was delighted with their response. I can only describe like it was total self-belief. Everyone was really looking forward to do something in, in this game. Yes, we played a bad game the first against West Indies, but we knew like you know as a team we we are very much capable to do to win the matches for Pakistan. England were unable to reach a target of 349 runs for victory at Trent Bridge. Batsman Joe Root was one of two England players to score a century, but it was all in vain. I think we just got to be real, realistic about things, not be too knee-jerk in, in how we you know, approach the next game and, and continue to stick to what we know is a really good formula for this group of players. On to tennis at the French Open, where the men's quarterfinals are about to get underway. It's a high-quality last eight at Roland Garros this year. Seven of the quarterfinalists are top ten seeds. The other is three-time Grand Slam champion Stan Wawrinka, who's getting ready to face Roger Federer in an all-Swiss clash. Wawrinka came back earlier this year after almost two years out with a knee injury. Federer is playing in his first French Open since 2015 and said Wawrinka crushed him in his last appearance when Wawrinka went on to win that 2015 title. Well, I'm happy he said that for once in his life, but uh, <laughs> I think I crushed the tournament that year, so I'm, I'm happy with that memories, but uh, as I say, uh, it didn't happen many times in my life against him. In normally, it's always the opposite. And, uh, yeah, uh, not, not, not much else to say. Novak Djokovic stayed on course in his bid to hold all four Grand Slam titles. A routine victory over Jan Leonard Struff puts him into the quarterfinals, where he'll face the fifth seed Alexander Zverev. Defending champion Rafael Nadal takes on Kenishi Kori, while Dominic Team faces Karen Hatchinov. And that's your look at sports. Thanks, Atom. To end the news, the top story once again. Chief Executive Carrie Lam says she's hoping tonight's June 4th candlelight vigil will be incident-free. Meanwhile, one of the organisers of the vigil says he doesn't think the extradition controversy will boost the turnout at tonight's event. The news from RTHK. up in the studio doing some things so um, i'm gonna hit you later maybe you caught the train just like you said you did maybe you broke down but you didn't give up maybe you got me down by all the way to get that you were bringing me to show you love